Hello and welcome to Slice in Time with me, Linda, host of Woodlands, What I Didn't Learn in Medical School, a platform for discussing topics that are crucial to health but are typically not taught, glossed over, or approached from the wrong angles in medicine and public discourse. As always, follow me at Woodlands on Instagram and Twitter and check out the full show notes on lindadaz.com forward slash Woodlands 12 for this episode. I also have lots of other good stuff on there. Please note that anything covered in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. In this episode, I talk about all things carbohydrates and insulin, addressing why low-carbohydrate diets seem to work in terms of reversing diabetes, the emphasis being on the seam. And this is something I'm very passionate about because I think that this flawed understanding that most people have about insulin resistance leads to faulty recommendations from lots and lots of healthcare professionals and the general public also misunderstands how these disease processes develop and it just really pains me and frustrates me to see. So keep on listening to hear me say potato at least five times if for nothing else. I hope you enjoy and learn something new. Okay, so carbohydrates. They're one of the macronutrient groups, with the other two being proteins and fats. All foods contain carbohydrates, protein and fat, but in varying proportions. So for example, chickpeas contain fats, proteins and carbohydrates. Potatoes contain fats, proteins and carbohydrates, even though people will typically think of potatoes as a carb, right? And typically, most higher carbohydrate foods are labeled as carbs and they're often included in one big umbrella. However, that is really oversimplifying things to the detriment of many people's health. So just like there are better and worse forms of protein and fat, carbohydrate quality is critical to deciding whether a food is healthful or not so healthful. Foods that are typically thought of as carbohydrate rich include starchy vegetables like potatoes, squash and pumpkins, whole grains and of course fruit. So those are the whole foods that are high in carbohydrates but of course people would think of cookies, sweets, sugar and um, lots of other things as carbohydrate containing too. And even when we're talking about whole foods we need to be thinking about whether a carbohydrate is complex or more simple. So complex carbohydrates take a bit longer to digest such as whole grains and starchy veg as opposed to fruit. Now, what we need to do as a society is that we need to stop demonizing carbohydrates because carbohydrates are a component of food. You can't just say carbohydrates and expect someone to understand what you mean by that because carbohydrates includes anything from, you know, table sugar to potatoes to watermelons to strawberries and they're all very different foods. So you can't just talk about cutting carbs. If you're cutting the more quote-unquote refined carbohydrates, that's something completely different to deciding to cut out all carbohydrate sources, which is, as we'll come on to talk about, not a good idea. In terms of medicine, we definitely had metabolism lectures in first year, but what I think that most people take away, even though I don't think that this is exactly what is conveyed, is about the carbohydrate insulin model of insulin resistance, which a lot of people seem to take at face value which then kind of feeds into people's general perception of insulin resistance. So if we just take a step back and talk a little bit about what goes on in terms of glucose and fat metabolism in the body. If this gets too complicated, 
know that you can just check out a summary on my show notes if you would rather have something written down to understand. So the main energy source for the various processes that take place in our living and breathing bodies is glucose. And that's what measured during a blood sugar test or a blood glucose test taken as a snapshot or by measuring your HbA1c, which is a measure of your longer term glucose control over about the last three months. This is what is used to diagnose diabetes. So there is type 1 and type 2. In type 1, your body is unable to produce any insulin whatsoever. And in type 2, there is something that develops, which is a relative insulin resistance. And I'll come back to talking about insulin resistance in a second. Diabetes is concerning because it does involve having high blood glucose levels, which has effects on the body, especially in blood vessels. Diabetes is a serious disease and it's something that we want to try and control. However, high blood glucose is a symptom of something underlying, and that is the insulin resistance. So what is insulin? Insulin is a hormone that has many different effects in the body. A lot of people will liken it to a key that unlocks the cells to let glucose in so that the glucose can be used for the various metabolic processes that go on in our bodies. When we eat a meal, our blood glucose will go up as the carbohydrates in that meal are digested. And then the body will release insulin and the blood glucose will go into the cells and everything is great. And therefore, a lot of people think that if you have diabetes, you have high blood sugar levels because you are eating too much sugar or too many carbohydrates. And if you cut the carbohydrates out, you will get rid of the high blood sugar and you will get rid of the high insulin levels and you will improve your insulin resistance. And now this is not true and this is what frustrates me and often saddens me because a lot of diabetics will be told to cut out carbohydrates and when people say that they won't differentiate which carbohydrates they won't just cut out sugar sweets sweetened beverages white breads white pastas they're also going to cut out potatoes all fruits and a lot of foods such as nuts as well which are higher in carbohydrates than people might realize And cutting out whole foods confers lots of health risks, but people aren't told about that. Following a low-carbohydrate diet in order to reverse diabetes is a bit of an illusion because you're avoiding causing the symptom, high blood sugars, by just not eating any carbohydrates, meaning that your blood sugars will rise less and your body will secrete less insulin. But you haven't cured the diabetes because if a person ends up eating a meal that is high in carbohydrates, the body will still have poor insulin sensitivity and be relatively insulin resistant because you won't be able to manage the carbohydrates once you do eat them. So you still have the underlying dysfunction in terms of being able to manage higher glucose loads in your body, if that makes sense. So you aren't curing the underlying disease process, you're just kind of avoiding the symptoms. So if a patient has been on a low carbohydrate diet and then consumes a food with higher carbohydrate content, they're still going to have that large spike in both glucose and insulin. People will think we need to stay off carbohydrates for life because that will cause a diabetes. But no, the truth is that the driving factors behind the diabetes never went away in the first place. They're simply masking their symptoms. I also want you to remember that not only does a low carbohydrate and higher fat diet not reverse diabetes, it can also cause a lot of complications, especially in terms of cardiovascular complications, especially if it's a diet that is high in animal products as well and saturated fats. And diabetes 
isn't caused by eating too much sugar. Yes, if you were to eat lots and lots of sugar in caloric excess and end on putting a lot of body weight, that would probably cause diabetes. But just eating sugar and carbohydrate-rich foods doesn't automatically cause diabetes. There literally was a study in the early 1900s where people with type 2 diabetes, some of them requiring insulin, were put on a fruit juice and white rice diet and they still managed to reverse their diabetes. Although that doesn't sound like a very nutritious diet that I would recommend in general. Essentially, diabetes is driven by increased insulin resistance and poor sensitivity to insulin, which low-carbohydrate diets do not improve. Insulin sensitivity reduces on a low-carbohydrate, high-fat diet, but insulin sensitivity improves on a diet which is high in carbohydrates and low in fat. Consuming just one high-fat meal can cause increased insulin resistance, despite having low or no-carbohydrate content, which has been demonstrated in a study where individuals were given palm oil. You definitely do get results initially from a low-carbohydrate diet, So here's a quote from a paper by Hall and Chung, which is called Low-Carbohydrate Diets for Treatment of Obesity and Type 2 Diabetes. They said that glycemic control and hyperinsulinemia are improved by low-carbohydrate diets, which means that your blood glucose levels and your insulin levels will be decreased. However, insulin sensitivity and glucose-stimulated insulin secretion may be impaired, especially in the absence of weight loss. So let's just touch on weight loss. So we know that significant weight loss, especially in someone that is carrying more weight, can cause remission of type 2 diabetes. This was reported in the direct trials a couple of years ago. Weight loss by any means can improve diabetes symptoms because insulin resistance is also related to body adiposity. So if you follow a low-carbohydrate diet and lose weight, because they are reported to be very effective in the short term for that, you may be able to, just by the sheer weight loss, reverse the diabetes. But I've spoken before about how I am quite anti-diet and anti-severe restriction when there are other better ways, and it's actually possible to eat however much you want and still manage and or reverse type 2 diabetes. The main culprit in insulin resistance is a diet high in fat or any diet with a significant calorie excess in terms of energy balance, which causes increased body weight and accumulation of lipids of fat stores, which drives insulin resistance. This doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be overweight. Some people are also metabolically storing excess fat around their central organs and within their muscle cells. As lipids accumulate in adipocytes, so fat cells, there might come a point where there is just too much and fats will be stored in other cells such as liver and muscle cells. It can also start to spill out in the bloodstream, which is called a spillover effect. And this is why the carbohydrate insulin model is inaccurate. We need to be concerned about intramyocellular lipids, fat stored in muscle cells, because this interferes with normal insulin signaling. Thinking back to how insulin is the key and the cell is locked and it needs to take glucose in, in a cell that is filled with fat, insulin 
won't be able to unlock the keyhole because the keyhole is all clogged up, which means that the glucose ends up sitting in the bloodstream, you get your high blood sugars and you can't utilize the glucose properly. And that is not just because you've had lots of carbohydrate-containing foods. It's because of the intramyocellular lipids and typically that is because of a higher fat diet. Also, typically foods that are deemed to be high in sugar and that people might blame for diabetes are high in fat as well. Sugary sweet cookies will also have butter in them. Potato chips, which people might think of as a carb, they're deep fried and high in fat as well. So no, carbohydrates are not the main concern. Of course, I'm not telling anyone to be eating lots of sugary processed foods and I'm also not recommending eating in a vast energy excess. That is just not going to leave you feeling good. I just want you to stop fearing whole carbohydrate rich foods, healthy foods that we know have lots and lots of benefits. You can consume wholesome carbohydrates until the point of satiety without any fears or worries whatsoever. And we know that the populations that eat diets which are high in carbohydrates do well. In the so-called blue zones, which I think I have mentioned at some point before where people live the longest, they eat a mostly plant-based diet and that includes eating lots of carbohydrate-rich foods. In Okinawa in Japan, the majority of the diet is made up of a type of purple sweet potato, which is a carbohydrate-rich food. And lots of research, I'll be linking some of these studies in the show notes as well, has shown that high consumption of fruits, vegetables and whole grains is beneficial for health and not associated with causing diabetes. And also beans, lentils, peas, things that come under the legume or pulse umbrella are super, super good for health, especially for diabetics, which is why I get really upset by people cutting carbs and then thinking that they can't have pulses. They have a really beneficial effect on blood sugar. They're high in fiber, which also is something that really helps with regulating blood sugar. And they have something called the second meal effect. And I'm definitely going to be making an episode all about beans and how to eat beans if you think that you can't tolerate them. And of course, fruits as well. There have been studies showing that people eating lots and lots of fruits are totally fine because the fruit that you eat in a whole form, so not juiced, will come with fibre and it won't be absorbed just like that and it won't cause a spike in your blood sugars just like that as opposed to drinking apple juice. Eating an apple takes time, it has fibre, it will leave you full and it will come with lots and lots of health benefits as well. Cutting carbohydrates and cutting all these beneficial foods is just horrendous to me. Now, I mentioned some population studies, but I also just want to mention the PURE study in case anyone has heard of it or thinks that this disproves what I'm talking about. So the PURE study got lots of media attention because essentially it caused lots of claims saying things like fat is back, eat your butter, saturated fat is great for you, high carbohydrate, low fat diets are dangerous. But there are flaws with the study. Essentially, it claimed that low-fat diets high in carbohydrates were associated with higher mortality and that high-fat diets did not have any negative impact on health. And it was also a very large study, which makes it more credible. I'll be linking some rebuttals to this as well. But some things that it did that makes it flawed is that it grouped all carbohydrates together. And we know that white rice differs from brown rice and it differs from rice krispies. And it did not take into account people's socioeconomic status during the analysis. 
So the pure study in my eyes does not disprove the point that I'm trying to make here. We also know that vegetarian and vegan diets are associated with lower intramyocellular lipid levels, better insulin sensitivity, lower insulin resistance and lower rates of type 2 diabetes. Now this of course depends on the type of vegetarian or vegan diet and that's why I like to specify that a whole food plant-based diet is the one to go for because you can be eating Oreos and potato chips on a vegan diet without that being very beneficial for your health. And we also know that high carbohydrate diets based on whole foods are naturally high in fiber, which has amazing benefits for our gut microbiomes that helps with satiety in general. And again, we have population studies to support this claim. So in general, the consensus and what the research seems to be showing is that A high-carbohydrate, low-fat, plant-based diet based around whole foods, whether you lose weight or not, is going to set you up for the best insulin sensitivity and reduce any existing insulin resistance, manage diabetes, and in some cases of patients with type 2 diabetes, reverse it. So in people with quite advanced disease already, it might be worth going all in and using diet as a therapeutic tool. And that would mean sticking to quite a low fat diet. So keeping calories from fat to about 20%, I think, is the recommended. If someone finds that they're not able to do that, that's fine. They might not reverse their diabetes. They might not reverse it even if they fully adhere to it because everyone's a bit different. But that doesn't mean that your body won't be experiencing benefits from a whole food plant-based diet anyway. You might still be reducing your risks of future disease or adverse events. So some measures that will help with insulin resistance are to eat foods that are high in fibre, whole plant foods, not restricting carbohydrates, so eating starchy carbohydrates, eating whole grains, eating fruits, eating legumes and making sure that you eat all of your leafy green veg as well, which are great for you. Limiting sugary drinks and processed foods. These are just frameworks that will give results. And I don't believe in labeling foods as good or bad, and I don't believe in restriction for the long term, because that will just cause disordered relationships with your body and with food. What we want to be doing for ourselves and for patients is to encourage healthy lifelong habits. I have some episodes talking a little bit more about those principles and that's episode four, The Secret to Lasting Behaviour Change, which is about 10 minutes and the longer one, episode five, which is called Weight Management, How We Got It Wrong. And I recommend checking those out after this one if you haven't already. Of course, diet's one thing, but we also know that exercise improves insulin response. Exercise after food will kind of blunten the blood sugar spike and sleep is super important, mindfulness is super important. I wanted to focus on diet here because I just wanted to crush myths about all carbohydrates being bad, but we must remember that in terms of the greater picture, there are so many other things that matter as well. I know many type 2 diabetics get results on a low carbohydrate diet or any restrictive diet and losing lots of weight, but if you can get exactly the same results, by just eating as much as you want of whole plant foods without restriction, without having to count carbohydrates, count calories, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you not recommend that to your patients when that is evidence-based and does work? 
I hope that the podcast episode and also the article which you can find in the show notes has helped you understand the carbohydrate metabolism a bit better and has made you question the carbohydrate insulin model and also consider intramyocellular lipids which you might not have heard about before. I just really want you to understand how crucial carbohydrates are to our health and normal functioning and to not advocate for fad diets for future patients. I want you to, however, consider the quality of carbohydrates, think about simple carbohydrates versus complex and consider whether it might be appropriate to encourage a transition towards a more plant-based diet in line with the research that I've discussed in this episode. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out my show notes. At the top, I've linked some of the main research and some extra reading I would recommend based on this episode. And if you're a person who likes to see diagrams and things in writing, I have written an article with close to 30 references. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, if you learned something new, please, please share it with others and just share the podcast in general. I really appreciate that and I also really enjoy hearing feedback, whether good or bad. The best way to get in touch is usually via Instagram at Woodlimbs and do follow me to stay up to date in general. I hope to see you back on the podcast. Next week, I'll be releasing an interview episode, which will touch a little bit on insulin resistance again actually that's all for me today i hope you have a lovely rest of the day wherever you are whatever you're doing and thank you so much for listening bye